This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello there, welcome to episode 4 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're going back in our archive to 2013 where we have a hangout with Dave Henson. Dave has been involved in planting loads of churches across the Midlands and most recently he's been involved in Hope Church in St. Petersburg in Russia. Dave will be talking about how you can build your core team for a church plant. You can find this full hangout, including the Q&A that followed it and all the notes at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode four. So I'll hand over to Dave now. I've been around church planting for, well, pretty much all my life, really. Um, My parents were actually in a sick cut with Mike years ago. Um and uh, moved to Orpington, a suburb of, it's actually in Kim, suburb of London really, um, to plant a, a church there. Um, and then out of that church came uh, another church plant. And um, so I was kind of in the midst of church planting, even as a, as a teenager. Um, and then I got married. Uh, we felt to move to the Midlands to get involved in uh, the Midlands initiative that David Devonish was, was heading up at that time, planting churches all across the Midlands. Um, and we were involved directly or indirectly with another six church plants then. Um, it was great fun, um, <laughs> highly stressful. <laughs> uh, I was an account manager for an engineering company at the same time. Is planting a church into Loughborough. Uh, we started the church there with well, three or four people. Um, by the time it grew to about 40, um, I realised that it was time to uh, go take a step of faith and uh, lead the church full-time there. Um, the church grew quite rapidly then, um, Seven years later, the church was about 100 adults and members, and uh, we, I, I was at that time already traveling to Russia regularly, and uh, really to support what David was doing, um, with uh, particularly one church in the in the Russian region, in, in the city of Kutia. and uh, we began to sense that God had a change for us uh, afoot, and uh, we we're living with a prophetic uh, call, really, to move to Russia at some point. And we were trying to figure out, um, do we move now? Do we plant a city centre church somewhere else in the UK? Um, what do we do? Uh, discussed it through with Dave Stroud and Dave Devonish and others, and the feeling was the call's too strong, so we... We took the step of moving to St. Petersburg, um, well, to Tavir, sorry, and then later to St. Petersburg to plant a church there. Um, our first year in St. Petersburg was really just to get to know the city, try and build some friendships, 
Um, we gathered four or five people in that first year. Then um, made the decision to plan for a launch. Our first Sunday was 13 people. Um, then over the last three years, the church has gone from that to over 100 out of now. Um, can everybody hear me? Are we still okay, Ben? I've got some funny noises. Yeah? Okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we planted the church in St. Petersburg. There's about uh, 100 adults there now. Um, we sent a team over to Tallinn in the state, well, a couple to Tallinn in Estonia to try and pioneer a work there. Uh, they're doing a fabulous job. Um, then 18 months ago, I, the doctors found a tumour in my back, so I was medevaced back to the UK quite unexpectedly and uh, taken rather abruptly out of the church planting environment. Um, and but despite it all, it really felt like God was in the mix. And the last year has been particularly interesting. I've, I'm now running an international language school in Cardiff. Um, the idea being that we can create a self-sustaining, financially self-sustaining international church plant, planting model. So we... We're trying to get this business off the ground to then give skills to church, international church planters as agents who want to recruit for us and uh, earn money to get their own church plants off the ground. And also we're trying to generate cash so that we can support other churches. So early days, but very exciting. Is that enough background, Ben? Yeah. yeah, that's great. Crack on, tell us about growing a core team, that'd be grand. Yeah, okay, so I wasn't quite sure who I'd be speaking to. Um, the impression I got was that I was most likely speaking to people who were in the very early stages of planting a church. Is that right, Ben? Yeah, okay, very good. Um, so we've had... My wife and I have had two direct uh, experiences of leading a, ch a church plant. One, I would say, had a very hot start. It was a UK location um, where lots of other churches were being planted at the same time. Um, there was a lot of energy for church planting, and it was actually fairly easy to recruit if it can at all be uh, easy to recruit the church planting. Um, the second church plant that we were involved with, I would say, uh, had a very cold start. It was international. We were pioneering into a foreign setting um, where there was, where no, New Frontiers hadn't planted any churches. Um, New Frontiers didn't know any churches. In fact, the closest church New Frontiers Church to St. Petersburg was a 13-hour drive away, so um, very, very different. Um, so two very different experiences. Um, 
but I would say a lot of similarities in terms of building the core team. Uh, what do I mean by core team? Um, I would say that a core team uh, is the team that carries the vision to plant a church and are sacrificing everything to make it happen, <laughs> quite literally everything. In my mind, a core team only really begins when the leader or lead couple have one or more people who give life to them and are really in, uh, bring that source of encouragement to them. I think that's really important. I, uh, uh, we've learnt really not to say this is a church plant until there, are, there is that element of support around um, the church leaders and we are uh, encouraging other church plant leaders that we're involved with to think and uh, to think the same. Um, so we've, in both church plants, moved to a, a different location but then waited before particular people have come before saying that we are a church plant or a, even a core team. We may have moved, we may have begun to pray and build relationships, but we, we haven't said that we're off until we've had those one or two people who we knew particularly would bring life and strength to us in Loughborough. Uh, actually, it's very interesting that both uh, church plants in Loughborough and in St. Petersburg, the the, the couple who have come alongside us and we've felt that these are fans, we, we can see that we can become fantastic friends with these people. Every time we get together, we laugh loads, we, we have fun together, there's a real lightness when we're around one another. We can, we, both my wife and I have felt that we can share a lot, um, most things with those couples. Um, it's interesting that both Martin and Linda, who came alongside us in Loughborough, and then Hansi and Lena in St. Petersburg, are actually now the guys who are leading both those churches. Um, I would encourage church planters to view uh, the initial core team and every other core team that comes after that very much like scaffolding. And that may sound a little bit harsh, um, but I have first-hand been involved or led, uh, been involved in leading or in the leadership team of six church plants now. Um, and in my experience of being in ch churches from uh, very few in number up to about 300 people, it's clear that churches always have a core team. doesn't matter how small or large they are, a core team is, it is always part of a strong church. In fact, it's, it's the heart of a strong church. And as leaders of church plants or leadership teams of church plants and core teams, we need to be prepared for that initial core team to change probably faster than we might expect. The team that carries the vision and that team carries the vision and sacrifices um, 
it's it's rather like a rolling snowball. It, it, it builds speed and it changes shape. And um, it's essential that as leaders we are preparing for the scaffolding to be taken down and new scaffolding to go up at various times. Not everybody in that first uh, core team will stay. They will change. They'll fall away. Um, and for good reason or, or bad, <laughs> um, as our experience would, would tell us. Um, and I wonder if that is... Uh, I wonder if that is why there's an element of waiting before Paul himself went into planting churches from time to time and waiting to do certain ministry from time to time. Um, it's very unusual, actually, for core teams of churches to begin big. It's much more usual for core teams to begin small. Uh, we began both of our church plants with teams of four or five people. I'm not sure if Jesus feels it's necessary to have large core teams, you know, sending out the 12, two by two, and the 72 as well. Actually, not many people can gather a large core team quickly. Usually, it's 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 leaders who are going from large established churches that are able to take the 20 or the 30 with them. So planting churches with very few is, is, is hard in the moment, but in hindsight, it's amazing. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for church planters to develop in character, uh, to develop in communication, especially with their spouse or key leaders. Um, and it's wonderful to begin to understand how you feel and how you work as a leader. Church planting is so emotional, as I'm sure you all know. Um, and if you're not going to the right places with your emotions and your communication, then you set yourself up for a fall. We have helped church planters and even our, uh, ourselves have experienced from time to time a real sense of being emotionally low, bottled up tension uh, as a result of church planting can bring tension in the home, tension with friends. Um, church planters are often... Uh, working, have secular jobs as well, and the emotional tension of planting a church um, can uh, lead to um, difficulties in the area of money or control at work or sexual temptation. And so uh, it's very important that core teams uh, and leaders of core teams learn how to communicate their emotion, communicate 
with their spouses, with the apostolic oversight, with um, the teams that they're building churches with. It's very important that we have a, a long-term view of church planting with small teams and to, I think, re relax, actually. I think most church planters that I speak to uh, get themselves very worked up, get very tense because they're not seeing results, you know, in the few first few weeks or the first few months. Um, I think it's very important that uh, as church planters, we, we take a much more long-term view and allow God to bless it with uh, exponential rapid growth, if that's what he wants to do. Um, and just relax into it and have a lot of fun. In fact, I would say that is the, the most important thing for a church planting team is just to have loads of fun and not to get so caught up in the pressure of being results-driven as a church plant. Uh, I was recently with a, ch a church plant um, in, in, a, in, a, in an EU capital city, and um, there was a lot of tension in the core team. You know, we should be at 100 already. You know, we should be seeing lots of people saved already. Um, and rather than just uh, taking, the, taking the view, we're going to enjoy this period of building relationships, having fun, doing all kinds of great things uh, together. Um, So I think that if church, if core teams can begin with the idea that they are going to have a lot of fun together, then I think that um, they have already achieved something great. Um, ha having said that, um, we, when we've planted churches, we have... Uh, uh, purposefully tried to recruit the first two or three um, in those church plants. Um, I'm very aware of what I'm good at and particularly what I'm not good at. Um, and so we have, Hannah and I have discussed and thought about what it is that the church plant needs to balance out the gifts to enable us to build on a strong foundation. Um, and actually, the second time round, when we were planting into St. Petersburg, we were actually uh, incredibly purposeful in that, knowing that um, it would be difficult to recruit. We were going to spend the majority of our attention recruiting people that we needed. It's interesting, I was reading through Acts 20 this morning when Paul was leaving Greece for Syria on his way to Jerusalem um, and he takes a team with him and I hadn't seen it before but it, it actually that team represented every church or region where his ministry had been successful. And yeah, uh, that was not only for 
official representation from the different churches for the financial gift that they were going to give. But I think it was different cultures and personalities who were able to represent Paul's values and teaching to different people and contexts. And so when we were recruiting for St. Petersburg, we wanted to recruit um, from the different contexts and cultures that we had um, ministered into. So we recruited from the Moscow region, we recruited from the UK, we even recruited from the States um, very purposefully because we realised that that would give us a breadth of engagement and being able to reach out to people uh, in a wonderful way. So it's good to recruit from pools of your friendship, of your ministry, and of your discipleship. Firstly, uh, recruit from people that you know you're going to have fun with. So when we planted in Salafborough, one of the very first things we did was we said, who is it we laugh the most with? And so we we asked our good friends, Matt and Abby, who... um, we hardly ever actually talked about ministry with. It was always fun, uh, non-brain-engaging conversation. We'd often play games with them like Monopoly and you know have a glass of wine and just have a lot of fun. And so we said to them, guys, you, you, you bring us a life. Would you come to Loughborough and help us plant the church? And uh, so they were only too pleased. Um, but we had a very realistic view of their capabilities. So we didn't recruit them thinking that we were going to land lots of ministry on them. Actually, we recruited them knowing we needed them for our own sanity and our own uh, life. We recruited a a great girl called Nadia when we went to St. Petersburg from uh, the place where we first lived in the Moscow region, a city called Tver. Um, Again, she was great with our family, great with our kids. She brought life and lightness um, to us. So we asked her to come with us, and she was uh, only too happy, very excited. She felt very inspired to come, so that was great. Um, So recruit from people that you have fun with. Recruit from relationship. I'm sure your experience is the same as mine, that it's much easier to build um, on relationship and values that people have caught because they've lived life with you, because they have spent time with you, because there's real relationship. Um, It's even easier to do that than trying to recruit based on uh, an agreement of doctrine or theology. That takes time, and it's usually messy. There's usually stuff you've got to unpick. Um, It's never straightforward. Those that you have relationship with, those that you've discipled, um, they follow easy. You know, it's it's much easier to build with them. Recruit from those with shared values. Um, When we were planting into Loughborough, there was uh, opportunities for churches in that region to get together. We had celebrations. Um, We were able to get on the platform and talk 
and ask people to come and join us in when we were getting ready to plant a church in Russia. I was I organised a Russia Day close to London. Uh, we advertised it among the New Frontiers churches. Um, um, then when we were uh, actually in St. Petersburg, we were building relationships with churches. And um, I was very open and honest with pastors and, and uh, said that we don't want to... Um, we're not here to sheep still. But actually, the relationship was so good that they said to us, just, you know, come and see if people from our church would like to come with us and we'll help you vet them. You know, so um, we uh, were careful only to do that with churches that we really felt um, our values are in line um, with you. But it was great. It gave us exposure. Um, and... Uh, you know, some church planters would say it's very difficult for us to get on the stage of churches and and um, really give that sales pitch, if I can put it like that. Um, but I think it's okay for us to insist and um, say, come on, I thought we were in this together. Can we uh, just give us a few minutes? And, you know, I think we should be open to one another in that way. Um we, I would say, and, and I don't think everyone would say this, we found recruiting um, in brokenness or, too bro- or recruiting broken people um, easy and helpful. Now, that's when I mean broken people, uh, when we were in Loughborough, we, I very quickly began to disciple some uh, uh um, some people who were trying to get off of alcohol in St. Petersburg, drugs. Um, and we had to be very careful, but they were the best servants. And they became servants and friends to people very quickly. They needed attention, yes. But actually what we got from them was probably far more than what we gave them. Um, When we gave them dignity um, and began to give them things to do um, and lift them up as people, we found that uh, they played such a valuable part um, of the quarter, that people who had time, people who were there to serve, and uh, it's possibly a controversial thing to say because most people say never plant a church with broken people. But actually, uh, we found it one of the easiest ways to plant churches. I would say work hard at recruiting movers into the area in which you're planting. People who have lived in the area and are not in a church, are usually problem people. Those of us who have planted churches before, I'm sure, would say amen to that, you know. Um, Don't place your hopes on recruiting that way unless your values are very different from uh, the other churches in the area where you're planting. But movers, people who are moving into the place that you live, um, 
from other areas are often up for an adventure with felt. Uh, I was good friends with um, uh, a, a chap called Eric who was leading an Anglican church in Loughborough and his uh, building strategy for his church, for his building his, his church was actually all about new movers. So he'd keep an eye on all the houses with the for sale signs and then he'd go and knock on the door. It was a brave and great thing to do. Um, and uh, it worked wonderfully for him. And actually, when we were planting in Loughborough, we adopted, we pinched his idea and we began recruiting in a new development area. And it was very helpful. Uh, church planters, I think we need to just uh, recognize that believers who are already in the area will find you anyway. <laughs> just you, you don't need to do a lot of marketing and publicity to get people who already live in the place that you're planting. Um, you, you don't need to do an awful lot for them to find out that you're there. So don't waste your time doing it. If you've got a, a website, um, they'll find you. There'll be word of mouth. They'll hear about you. Um, people will find out. So I would say when you're recruiting, um, yeah, don't spend too much time in that area. I think that the... Sales pitch is such a bad way of putting it, but the, the, the sales pitch when you're trying to recruit people into your church plant is so important. You need to be able to tell your story very well. Um, I remember Dave Stroud saying to us, you've got to be able to give your sales pitch in 30 seconds, in three minutes, in 30 minutes. And um, to be able to do that is so helpful. I um, the prophetic is so important in your story. Strategy is so important in your story. Information about the area is so important in your story. I mean, when we, um, when we were recruiting for St. Petersburg, information um, that helped people quantify what we were doing was so helpful. And actually, we had information on um, the, the poverty the homelessness, uh, information about, I mean, shocking information about the, about uh, orphans and abortion rates and the, the how people are, the average age from, for, from, uh, for um, the life expectancy of a man is still 52 in St. Petersburg, for example. Things that will grab the attention of people that you're trying to, to recruit and give them a, a good understanding for the area. I'm not, yeah, this W3 does sound like a sales pitch, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, in the end, God will do it. <laughs> but having that information is, is it's just, we've just found it really helpful. And we always tried to make sure that our core team who are working with us know this information, have this vision. When people, um, want to come and check out the area in which you're planting because they are thinking about moving to be with them, show them the best and the worst about the area where you're planting. 
And remember that you as the core team, you as a church, especially as the church planters, the leaders, you are the picture of the church to come. It's your hospitality that is set in the model for what the church will look like. Your generosity, your openness, your organisation skills and the way you compensate for that. Um, your prayer life. Uh, everything about you and the way you as a core team are relating and communicating one another paints a picture of, the, of what the church will look like in, in the end. I think it's important as um, leaders of new churches, of new church plants, that you know how you lead. And for example, Hannah and I, our biggest gathering gift has always been hospitality. Hannah was cooking for the church plant in our home, in our home until we were 40 people, 40 adults plus kids. And then we moved it um, to... Uh, the the meeting venue where we actually launched our our Sunday meetings. I know that other pastors gather people and uh, encourage and recruit into their core team through the way they lead prayer meetings and prophesy and bring the Holy Spirit and or the way they teach or the way that they organise events and conferences even. Um, if you don't know what your your recruiting and um, building style is, I'm sure that the people around you do know. <laughs> they would have spotted the things that you're great at. Um, so talk to them about it and um, other people that you trust. Um, so remember that you recruit into what you are. Um, bring people into the reality of church planting by uh, being prepared for the best opportunities in the worst moments. Um, one of the turning points in our uh, planting of the church in St. Petersburg was when our youngest son got very ill. Um, he uh, he got, he broke his collarbone. The doctors thought he had meningitis. Um, it was a very difficult situation. He ended up being, he was in hospital for a number of weeks in the end. Um, on the day that he got out of hospital, um, my wife was, Hannah, she was thoroughly exhausted emotionally, spiritually, um, and we walked past this church where there was this young Moldovan family that had been beaten up by the mafia and because they'd been begging in the wrong place. And Hannah, who was, so we were, she was walking home, carrying Caleb in her arms, and she said, um, I need to know the life of God again. And she said, I'm taking these people home. Now, I, I was not included in the decision, <laughs> but she, got the, she, took, she said to this family, come on, you're coming back with us. And she took them into our home. She bathed them. So, so Caleb hadn't even been back to, into our home from hospital, but she bathed them. She gave them new clothes. She put them to bed. Of course, I ended up staying up uh, 
for the next 48 hours, making sure that they weren't going to rob us. Um, but uh, over the next few days, we were able to bring the whole core team to meet these people, to speak to them, and suddenly they owned um, what was a terrible situation and it brought out the very best in them. And so we learnt to, to utilise the worst moments um, as, and see them as the best opportunities. And it created wonderful momentum. I could tell you a number of stories like that um, where uh, suddenly the core team found purpose and um, a maturity and a strength and a reality of what we were about as a church planting team suddenly hit us all. And then I would say, finally, um, build as you mean to continue. Take, as leaders, take people with you as much as you can wherever you go. Um, and uh, I found it a great way of taking people from the fringes and bringing them into the core just by living my life with them, excuse me, um, to other uh, ministry situations or just out with the family. Um, in Russia, it was a very unique situation. We were always driving out to the villages and what have you. It's a great way of getting people involved. But be creative in the way that you can take people from, the, from your fringe um, to make them feel a part of the core. Um, I would say share your stories of evangelism and of God at work all the time. Um, you'll find that that brings real momentum and makes people on the fringes want to be a part of things. Um, obviously, pray a lot. Um, and I would say model... I don't understand. Um, it's 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 an okay phrase. I don't understand. You know, what do we do? I don't know what to do next. And especially, I mean, I guess things like uh, this Google Hangouts is particularly great when you've got guys like Colin and Mike and others uh, with you um, to just as leaders to say, I don't understand. And there are guys in your team sat there with you and and. Uh, guys of real experience and integrity and uh, and wisdom can really speak into things and see that uh, that you're human, and it just creates this wonderful uh, sense of okay, we're we're in this together. So we hope you found plenty of helpful things that you could take away from this hangout. Just to remind you, if you want to get the full notes on the Hangout and listen to the Q&A, you can go to www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode four. And to access our full archive of material, of Hangouts, of articles, of podcast episodes, and so on, thebroadcastnetwork.org. And you can also sign up for our updates on what Hangouts will be coming up in the future.